Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the quiet neighborhood of Old Town, Pasadena, a lone agent searches for answers regarding his friend's disappearance in the Marshall Morris apartment building. Join agent Kevin Wilson, played by Tillman, and Adam as the handler, as the strange secrets of the Morris building are brought to light in Horde, a Delta Green scenario created by Victor Eichmann. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. There you can find up-to-date news and a link to our Discord. If you would like to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to another Delta Green duet. I'm here with Tillman right now, who will be taking on the role of Agent Kevin Wilson for the second time. This is going to take place approximately nine months after the events of Under New Management. And during that time, Kevin Wilson has been getting to know these new friends that he's met a little bit. We're going to start it off. You are in the passenger seat of a sedan that's driving up this country road. It's the middle of the day. You can feel it's pretty warm out. In the driver's seat, you see Graham, and he's fumbling with his phone trying to get the GPS set up correctly. Shouldn't be too long. We're almost there. You and Graham have occasionally been taking these trips to visit your old friend, Tim. It wasn't long after the things that you experienced in the office building where you met Graham and you met Maria and you met coach and you found out about what type of stuff Tim had gotten himself caught up with. Once that had kind of cooled down a little bit, Graham had brought you up to the hospital where Tim is at. It's a a mental hospital farther away in, in New Hampshire. Takes you guys a bit of a drive to get there but you do it every now and then just to make sure he's okay. It is really hard for you to to see him. He doesn't talk anymore. He seems barely responsive, but you feel like as a friend, it's important for you to be making sure that he's okay. Maria doesn't come with you guys. From what you gather about the dynamic of this group beforehand, you've gotten the impression that Maybe Tim and Maria might have been romantically involved in the past, and perhaps that's why she finds it so difficult to go up to the go up to the home and see him. It's not a particularly bad place. You don't feel like he's being mistreated there. They're they're looking after him and and all the patients, but still you hate to see him in that position because he was once this bright, illuminating great friend that you had great conversations with and great bike rides and adventures with. And he was the the rock of your friend group. He seemed to be the glue that held everything together. And now when you guys go to visit him, he just sits and stares and the orderlies of the, of the group home bring him back and forth. But for the most part, he sits and stares and he doesn't really cause any trouble. He takes his medicine. He does what he's supposed to do, but it's just like the world is just passing him by and he doesn't even notice or care anymore. So Graham 
and you are driving right now. It's the same drive you guys have taken a few times in the past. What's going on in your head? I think Kevin is like, he's trying to make conversation. Maybe he's like talking about music with Graham, just trying to keep like a light mood and not fall into that into that void. Like, hey, we're about to see Tim again. And what do you think he's going to do? Yeah, well, nothing. And that would turn awkward. So he just tries to keep light conversation going, like music, sports, maybe. I don't know. Does Graham have family of his own? So Graham had shared with you something kind of uncomfortable about his his real family. His parents were, from what he told you, they were some kind of cultists and they used him in, in some type of ritual abuse. But Graham is, is, seems to be like very interested in telling you about his uncle, who was a jazz saxophone player and actually has you know, was featured on, you know, quite a few songs that you, you probably wouldn't expect. And, you know, he loves talking about like this. It, Graham never talks about his mom or his dad, but if you brought it up, he would talk about it. It's not like, I mean, it's a sore spot, but it's, it's not like he'll never go there. He'll admit to having a messed up childhood and stuff like that, but he tries to make light of it or talk about something else. He's telling you about this uncle that he had who should have been richer than he is, never got the credit, amazing saxophone player. And he's just kind of going on and on. And before long, you guys reach the place where Tim is held. It's called St. Brian's. And it's a very small, quaint place in rural New Hampshire. There's not very many people here. And the people that are here are mostly elderly. The staff has come to know you guys somewhat because you're the only people that go to visit Tim. And you're actually probably the only people besides the program, other people in the program that know this is where Tim is. Yeah, because he hasn't announced it at work, at least like official work, where Kevin and Josh were wondering where he went suddenly. So what's what's like the story for the for the staff here? I mean, don't they wonder why like these two dudes show up who are obviously not related. Graham thinks about it for a second. I'm not really sure. You know, I never really even considered that. It just seemed like a safe place to put him, I guess. Okay, yeah. But I guess there are, there are lots of lonely people out there. It's something that you guys don't often talk about. Neither Maria nor Graham know exactly what happened that pushed him over the edge. It was just a thing he was working on, he left and he came back and he kind of suffered a breakdown and things weren't really quite the same afterwards. He just lost himself. And Maria never dives into it. Graham never dives into it. Nobody really knows. You guys arrive at St. Brian's. You check in at the reception. One of the staff advises you to uh, wait in the like a recreation area. And she leaves for a moment and she comes back with Tim in a wheelchair. He's wearing these flannel pajama pants as well as a gray t-shirt and a light blue bathrobe. He has five o'clock shadow. He looks very pale with dark circles under his eyes and he looks very worn out, but he also doesn't really look distressed or anything. He just looks vacant. Kevin will get up upon seeing him 
he always at least tries to be cheerful at first with Tim and greet him like as a friend. He he really hopes he will eventually like get through to him. And maybe that was even a strategy that the staff there suggested. Like let him know that you are there for him. You're not just some some random person right now. You're not distanced. So he like walks up, I don't know, reaches out with his hands and hey Tim. How are you doing, pal? And there's this awkward moment where Kevin waits for Tim to like reach out, but he probably doesn't. So Kevin just rests his hand on, on Tim's, on the wheelchair armrest. And this is typically how it goes. You never are even really sure if he is aware at all that you guys are there. But every so often you go down and visit him. You watch his shows with him in this recreation room. You see to it that his his needs are taken care of. You make sure everything's going to be all set for him. You're his guardians, essentially. And it's always really tough, but after a few hours you 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 guys get your stuff together and you you go to head back. So it's, it's quite a long drive back and you know that you'll probably be up to see him soon enough. It makes you sad, but also you feel like you need to see him, like you miss him if you don't. And it's also like a matter of just needing to make sure that he's okay and needing to make sure that he's taken care of because every time you see him, it's it becomes more and more clear that like he's not in a position to take care of himself. So and like that's always something you're like really reminded of when you go to uh, visit him. Like on the way back, Kevin. Now he can't hold it back. He like brings up the topic now and again. Yeah, Graham. When I showed him the picture of Maria. Do you think there was a reaction there at all in his face? You know, I really don't think there was. That's why I don't think we should bring her down. I don't think she'd really be able to stand the idea that he's forgotten about her. Yeah, I don't want to force her anyway. That's her decision to make. I don't know. It just Maybe I'm just like grasping for straws. I always think like maybe that was some kind of reaction, but he's just blinking. Fucking sucks, man. You hate to see it. Graham rolls the window down and he lights a cigarette up. And when you look at him, at his face, you can see tears welling up in his eyes. And he's he's choking it down. He's just, yeah, fucking sucks, man. And he just continues to drive in silence. I give him space, you know. I don't want to intrude. He knows if he wants to open up about something, about his worries, he can. But I'm not going to, like, force it. A few hours go by and you guys don't talk too much during the rest of the drive and Graham drops you off at your house. It's pretty late at this point, maybe a little bit past midnight. We'll say that you guys maybe stopped and got like a burger or something on the way home. You know, just kind of, it is something like you guys kind of do make little trips out of it because you don't want it to be so depressing that maybe you'll stop and you'll get like a a bite to eat or something and just kind of like sit and chat or whatever. So you get home pretty late and he drops you off at your at your place and uh before he drives off he's just Kevin. Thanks again for coming with me. Oh yeah. Of course. I'm frustrated because it feels so useless, but I just hope that there is something left in him that that appreciates it and I know it's important to you and it's important to me. So we'll say that it's Saturday. You know, it's uh you guys usually make it a point to do this on a weekend, usually a Friday night even or like a Saturday. 
you'll just go I'll probably and... like tell friends and Haley I'm hanging out with my friend Graham or something like that so I don't have to bring up Tim yeah that's a good point and it's it's probably just easier for you that way anyways nobody that you know besides Graham and Maria know about well and coach you Graham Maria and coach so like as far as your work is concerned nobody knows what happened with Tim they just think he just quit and just didn't give us two weeks notice and just maybe took off somewhere. And like, maybe he had, maybe he gambled. Who knows? It's, it's anybody's guess. But so you get home, the dogs bark as you, as you enter the, enter the house. Haley's still awake. She's just hanging out on the couch. She's watching some TV while folding clothes. Hey, you. Hey, honey. I go over and give her a kiss on the cheeks with my burger joint breath. I was hanging out with Graham. Oh yeah, it was great. He gave me this uh, this new CD here. His uncle is on there playing saxophone. He's really good. I, I wasn't even aware. Saxophone? Hmm. And she's like just kind of not paying too much attention to you. She's watching some reality competition show. And the, the dogs are kind of like going wild, circling around you, sniffing you, jumping on you. And she seems to like not even really notice, even though they're kind of getting in her way. Yeah, she's watching American Ninja Warrior. And she looks pretty invested in it right now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just making my way to the bathroom, I think, trying to not step on the dogs and trying to keep them out as best I can. I know they'll come down, calm down eventually, but every time the door swings, you know, and they probably can smell the burger on me as well. So the rest of the night, passes pretty uneventfully you wake up the following morning and early afternoon maybe like maybe even like 10 a.m or 11 a.m you get a phone call from coach and he's asked you if you will come out fishing with him to one of his fishing spots because he needs to talk to you about something this early summer right yeah it's it's like early early june so it's it's pretty nice out. It's not really like sweltering hot, but everybody's kind of starting to get back into those outdoor activities. Like there's just no there's no reason not to. It's beautiful outside. You know, like it's 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 basically like t-shirt weather. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe Kevin and Haley just had their morning walk with the dogs. Now they're relaxing in the in the backyard or wherever. So he's, he's just like Hey, honey, um, coach wants to go fishing. Is that cool with you? Yeah, that's great. It's a, it's a nice day. I, I didn't know he fished. I didn't know you fish. Oh, he, he mentioned it in passing. Uh, we were talking about it uh, earlier. I mean, it's I guess it's kind of spontaneous now. But yeah, I want to try it out. And we'll probably say like Haley's met Graham, coach, Maria, Maybe you had them all over for like a barbecue or something. And Haley, she just thinks, interesting friends, you know, and I'm not really sure what what it is that brings all these people together. It must be friends in some kind of professional capacity, but, you know, hey, whatever, a guy's got to have friends. And I think she would have put two and two together once Tim like disappeared. Kevin's friend group kind of dissolved. He only had Josh left. And he was always around Josh, like at work. And then it became kind of hard to also spend all of his all of his free time with him. With Tim, it was kind of different. It 
dynamic was different. So maybe it's not outspoken, but I'm thinking Haley is like sensitive to, enough to like pick up or Katie suggest new people and Kevin needed new people. And she's always pushing you to engage in stuff and engage in activities. So she was like, yeah, that's that sounds great. Coach arranges to pick you up in his truck and he gives you like a few hours or he gives you an hour to kind of like get ready or whatever. And then he just comes by and he gives you a call when he's outside or he gives you like, he actually gives you a honk and you just look outside and you just see coaches kind of beat up red pickup truck with the rod sticking out of the back and uh, all the, all the gear in the back of the back of the truck. And he's just got his arm hanging out the window, still wearing that white short sleeve button up shirt that he seems to have a million of still wearing that black watch that he always seems to wear. But over it, he has this tan fishing vest and it's got a bunch of hooks and tackle and like has like his fishing license clipped to it. And he has one of those like a bucket hat, I think it's called, like one of those kind of floppy hats. And it's like camouflage color. And you you immediately just get the vibe that he's very into this. Come on, Kevin, get in the truck. I think Kevin is probably in like, it's half outdoor gear and half bicycle gear. So he has a windbreaker and like a baseball cap, but uh, also jeans and, you know, water resistant boots. That's about as far as he can get with not having any fishing gear or experience. But yeah, he walks along the front yard to approach coach and greet him. Hey, coach. How you doing, mate? Pretty good, Kevin. You're looking pretty good. You ready to catch some fish today? I got something I want to talk to you about. And you see like his face kind of becomes more serious when he mentions that. But he still has that. Coach always has that look. Like he could... He could he could hide the most serious thing behind a joke or behind something not serious. And you're never really just like sure what's back there when you look at him. I give him like a really short nod, a single one to like signify, okay, I get it. And then try to jokingly say like, yeah, as if I'm going to catch anything, right? You think I'm all set? That's about best I can do. I don't have any water resistant pants, I'm afraid. So jeans will have to do. Oh, don't worry. I, I got everything. I got extras of everything. You know, I'm a real fisherman. I'm a real angler, just like my dad was. He, he taught me everything I know. Here, I'll show you. Come on. And All right. He, he's like motioning for you to get into the passenger seat. I wave to Haley. She's probably still in the yard with the dogs, trying to keep them at bay. See you later. She smiles as you go. She really likes the idea of this older figure teaching you how to fish. It just, on the outside, looks like this really wholesome outing. Yeah, so I get in the truck, make sure all the doors are closed. All right, coach, you know you're going to have to buy some fresh fish now. Hey, if I don't catch dinner for the both of us tonight, I'm buying. All right, all right. And you can hear there's like this old country music playing inside of his truck at very low volume. Sounds very old. It sounds like you know, maybe forties, fifties. And it's, it's playing out of the, out of the cassette player of his old truck. And there's no other tapes or anything else inside. Like he keeps his car very clean. There's no trash. There's no like fast food wrappers or anything like that. You guys 
pull into this town. It's like a, a forest national park type of thing where people go to go to fish. And it's just kind of just like an area where people can park and they can they can cast out their rods and like if they have boats, they can they can dock boats nearby there. It's not like an official like national park or anything like that. It's like a you know like town forest in like a you know northern Connecticut. And coach brings you out there. He seems pretty familiar. Like this is one of his spots. The parking lot seems empty. There's nobody else there right now. That's why this spot is my favorite. I always get my pick. There's nobody else here chasing the fish away. You know, I come out here and I can really do some of my best thinking. That's great. You guys get set up. He takes you out nearby the the water's edge. And you guys start casting the rods and doing some fishing. And you're not really like catching anything. It's more so seems to just be about standing there for coach. It just seems to be more so about enjoying the silence and enjoying the the scenery. But you can see that there's something on his mind. You can see that he didn't bring you out here just to fish. All right, coach. When are you going to open up to me? He gives this brief smile and then he casts out the line again. I brought you here to talk about something that I guess I'm not really sure how to how to bring up, but I don't think I can really keep it to myself much longer. I know what Tim was working on before his break. Okay. Kevin is like intrigued, but also holding back. He's not sure how much he wants to know, maybe, because he, he's feeling that it is worrying to coach and it's probably going to worry, be worrying to him as well. You know, when this all happened, I it destroyed Maria. You know, and Graham, I mean, they were really good friends. It just, I mean, you got to understand, Kevin, I, I brought those two in. I brought all three of them in. They were tight. They were, they were a unit. And now that a link of that chain is broken, neither of them. I, so I knew, but I didn't, I didn't tell them and I haven't told them. And it's, I just didn't want them to go over there and have the same thing happen to them. And I just wasn't really sure. And I, I thought about just, maybe we just try to forget this one. Maybe we just try to move on. But I can't, I can't rightly do that. I don't think I can live with myself if I do that. So you were his friend. You were his friend outside of this. And now you're one of our friends. And I trust you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I know. Because I don't want Graham or Maria to look into it instead. And it's not because I don't care about you as much as I care about them. I do. Even in the short time I've known you, you, you proved yourself to be a trustworthy guy. You know, you you made sense out of that crazy shit that happened last time and you still stuck around. And for that, do you get what I'm saying, son? I want you to look, but I don't want you to tell them. And I, I, I hate to ask you to lie to your friends. Yeah, Kevin doesn't look too happy, but also not like angry and upset. Or don't. You know, it was it was wrong of me to to keep this from you and you can do what you want with this information once I tell you. That's that's it's, that's your right, but it's good that you want to tell me. And I think eventually you should probably tell the others or we should probably tell them. But I, I understand why it's why it's so difficult. You know, I I don't want to give Maria false hope. I know that there's some part of her that thinks he's coming back, but I just feel like if we can at least stop what happened to him, if we can at least know, maybe that's all we'll ever get out of this. 
but this is it's a failed operation what he was working on plain and simple he came back and whatever was out there it it beat him man it beat him and i'm not really sure what it is i'm not sure i i want to know i was i was ready to just maybe never speak of it again but i was wrong i was wrong kevin i'm sorry i should have told you sooner i should have told them sooner kevin reaches out and like grasps his shoulder you're doing good I know you're you're looking out for your for your friends, and it's hard. I mean, every time I I walk up to Tim, it breaks it breaks me a little, and I can see it in in Graham, and he's like he's just chain smoking on on the drive back, and he only ever calms down when we're back at home, and I'm not sure how he who how he's doing once he drops me off. I know that guy doesn't sleep much. Yeah, I worry about him, but what can, what can I do? He's burning himself out. He's burning the candle at both ends. Maria, too. You know, she looks strong and she acts strong, but I can see it. She's she's really hurting. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I find her much harder to read than Graham, but yeah, that makes sense what you're saying. He steps over to where his truck is. You guys are kind of like, he has his truck parked in this parking lot, and you just kind of like walk off over through this clearing and there's just water right there. So the truck is very close by and he walks back up to his truck. He's very slow. He's not rushing anything. And he opens up the the driver door. He starts fishing around in the center console and he takes a manila envelope out and he just starts walking over to you. He set up a few of these, they're like wicker folding chairs There are these metal folding chairs with these wicker type uh, seats and backs that he just kind of keeps in his truck so he can sit down when he fishes. And he passes it off to you. And then he just sits down in the chair. Yeah, I perk up an eyebrow and open up the thing. So for reasons I can't understand, Tim got this lead and he flew out to Pasadena, California to try to look into it. California? Yeah. Okay, crazy. Go on. I don't know how he heard about it. He wasn't tasked by me on this. He acted on his own. But he was checking out at this place, the Marshall Morris building. It's a, it's a swanky apartment building down in a part of Pasadena they call Old Town, I guess. And I'm trying to figure out what, what, was, so, what was so great about this place, what was so hot. The only thing I can really come up with is... One of the residents is a missing person going back to about a month before Tim started looking into it. Now, I don't know if this is why he was looking into it, but it's just nothing else is ringing any bells when I try to dig up on this place. But I'll give you what I have. It's, it's all in there. Well, I mean, it's not like I can go to Pasadena right now. Well, that was my idea, son. What if I, what if I set you up? What do you mean? Are you going to drive up with your truck in the middle of the night and pick me up and drop me off in Pasadena? No, not like that. Well, I was thinking you'd fly there, but I was thinking you wouldn't tell the others. I was thinking this could just be something between us for now. You look into it. If you don't see anything weird, just come back and we'll just forget about it. But maybe this is something that maybe this has to do with, with Tim. Maybe this place has the answers. It seemed to be the the one thing he was interested in before this all happened. I give him 
like a stare, not saying anything for a little bit. Then I just look at all the stuff in the folder. What exactly is in there? Is the pictures or just like notes and descriptions? So when you do a brief skim through of the contents of this folder, you find some pictures of a building. You find these notes that look like notes that Coach has taken about the different residents of this building. He's written down some of the history of this building as far as like when it's been built and stuff like that. And these are all just like white, uh, white lined notebook paper still with the frilly edges just torn out of a notebook that coach has kind of inserted into this file along with several photographs, one news clipping from a missing persons case that made a, made a, made local newspapers. That's everything I could dig up. I mean, what I can tell you, that place has got four apartments in it. Now, these are nice apartments, right? Each floor is its own place. I'm talking like million-dollar apartments here. So missing guy, this artist, goes by the name of Patrick Sheehan, lives in one of these apartments with his girlfriend, wife. I'm not really sure. Then we got a, a family in the next floor. CEO lives with his wife. She's about 16 years younger than him. They got a few kids there. We got two old ladies on the next floor. Very top floor was something that I thought might have been interesting, but it didn't really yield any any good info for me. The apartment there was recently vacated by a woman by the name of Hawkins. She was a pediatrician and she divorced another doctor a few years back. She was convicted for assaulting her psychiatrist last year, and she's doing a brief prison sentence. I thought that might be interesting, but I poked around, looked into files, did some research. I can't really figure anything out on that. She said... Yeah, I mean, not every crazy story is is worth worrying about. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds weird, but... Hmm. Anyway, go on. Didn't want to interrupt. No, no, son. The one thing I did find weird about her, she said the the building was the reason for her crime. Now, between that and a missing person in the building, I thought maybe that might be what what our friend Tim was was looking into. But there's no way for me to know for sure. Heck, this could all be unrelated. Maybe something yeah. else broke Tim. I mean, there's also a CEO in there. They usually sell their souls to the devil pretty early. Yeah, yeah. Now, I read about them, their kids. He's got a few kids there. I saw in one of Tim's files that those kids sprung some kind of horns on their head. These little, little things, little, little bumps, half inch to an inch, maybe. And it, it don't hurt him. Nothing like that. Just some kind of birth defect. Right. Okay. I mean, I was joking earlier. Yeah. And you see coach just stares out into the water as he takes another cast. Now my idea, if you went down there, this would have to be an under the boards type of thing. All right. You just be looking around. You're not there representing anybody. Yeah. But how do I, how do I pass this by Haley, my work and everything and Graham too. That's you know that. Yeah. That it's not something that I usually do, you know, I don't think I have, like, the only reason I ever 
leave Haley for longer is work, really. Well, I had this idea, see? You could say, and he's he's like fishing into his pocket, and he comes out with this brochure. He's trying to straighten it out to show it to you. And he's like unfolding it and trying to iron the wrinkles out with his hands against his, his uh, knee of his pants. And he's like, look at this, look at this. Up there in Pasadena, they're having some kind of convention for crime scene specialists. And he's like pointing at it, like very matter of fact. Now you could say that this is where you're going. It's almost perfect. Now think about it. If it's, if it's too much, it's too much. And, you know, I realize it's a lot to ask you. I'd set you up. I'd get you down there, get you whatever you need. One day, two days, three tops, and you come back. Regardless. Regardless of what you find. If it's hot, you come back. If it's cold, you come back. Uh, when did Tim go there and how, what shape was he in when he came back? So, you know that Tim's breakdown happened about nine months ago, about one month prior to the group bringing you in, basically. So basically, from, from what Coach has just laid out to you, nine months ago, Tim came back from California and was just mentally broken and or like it, it just got very bad from there. Like he came back, he wasn't really himself. And within weeks, something had just psychologically gone wrong and he just wasn't himself. Like he couldn't take care of himself anymore. And like grandma Maria and coach like did not know what to do. And they were just like super worried about him. They had to eventually check him in, even though that was something that they kind of resisted for a long time. And that basically is around the time that they contacted you based on Tim having had mentioned you and just like talking about you because you were like important in his life, but just also mentioning that you were like a trustworthy person and like somebody that he did trust. So like out of last resort, out of desperation, Graham, Maria and coach reached out to you for the trouble in that office building. And it's been about eight months since then. So you know that Nine months ago, that's that's when Tim checked this place out. You know, if Graham knew about it, there's no way he would let me send you alone. But I just can't lose both of you. Well, that's uplifting. No, I didn't mean it like that, son. It's just I'm worried if I send Graham, he's already too burnt to make it out. I'm just worried. I don't yeah, know. Graham, he wouldn't come back. That's That's the thing. He wants to find something, you know? Even if he has to stay like the next 14 years, he, if you give him this information, he, he's like, he's stalking that house. He's going to work so hard. He can buy one of the apartments to like keep an eye on all the other ones. Yeah. That, or he just does something stupid. He just burns the place down or he just kills somebody or, or what? I don't, I don't know, but you know, maybe this isn't a thing and maybe we can cross this off the list, but I mean, whatever, whatever fucked him up, we have to stop. We have to. We have to do it for him at least, but I mean, isn't that the point of all this? And he's like kind of looking around. Isn't that the point of what we do? I mean, you're new to it, son, but I think you're I think you're pretty good at it. Do you have some sort of maybe emergency contact over there? Yeah, I could get you squared away with people on that side. I can tell you about a storage locker that would have the type of stuff you can't bring with you. And he kind of gives you like a grim look. I can get you set up in a hotel. 
I can be there for you for support. I can't come with you myself, son. They'll they'll know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Mm. If things go really badly, though, will you come and get me back? I swear on my life, I will not leave you there. If I have to, if I have to call the cavalry and go in there, guns blazing with everybody, I will do it. But I just thought, if if we can spare them from just another shitty experience, especially while they're still reeling from this, and I know you are too. Don't get me wrong, I know you are too. Maybe we can leave them out of this one so that they will eventually be recovered enough to... Here's my thinking. Tim was looking into this for a while. Maybe I got too close. Maybe he drew attention to himself. I'm the new guy. So maybe I can actually get something from this, if there is anything. Which, honestly, I think there is. But Coach puts his hands on his hips, and he's just kind of staring out at the water again. But he's just not sure. Well... If it's a crazy idea, I'll forget about it. We can just forget this happened, but if you're willing to do it, I can get you set up. Two days from now, I can have you on a plane out of here, ready to go to this conference. Okay, let's do it. Three days pass. The whole time you've been anticipating how this would play out. Haley didn't really have a problem with you going to the conference. At first, she was kind of confused. Why would you go all that way? But, you know, after a while, you know, looking at the program, seeing how legitimate it was, she, yeah, okay, sure, yeah. If it makes you happy, I think you should do it. You don't mention anything to Graham or Maria and any interaction you have with them, if there is any at all, you just keep this under the surface. Yeah, probably have like a couple of stories. For people at work, it's a family thing. For Graham and Maria, it's a work thing. And for my family, it's like also a work thing. But yeah, I keep just juggling these stories back and forth. At the end of the day that you and Coach had gone fishing, he had given you, or actually we'll say it was it was the next day after you guys had agreed and finalized that you would you would go out to Pasadena and check out this this building. He bought you a plane ticket, two-way, two-way ticket. You're going to come back on this day no matter what. All right? This is when your flight back is scheduled. Now I'm serious. It doesn't matter if it's done. It doesn't matter what. You come back this day. So, like, he, he basically, like, plans this trip for you. You tell me, what are you feeling when the day comes? I think Kevin is, like, really nervous. He's not used to working completely alone, but the schedule helps. He knows like there's a plan and it has a set a final date. So if things just don't work out, he, he can just leave and then say, yeah, it didn't work out. It's kind of like that, it's that competition feeling or, you know, walking on stage, you know, like for a set period of time, anything could happen and you feel like everything's going to be horrible and awful and you're going to make a fool of yourself. But after that time, it's just, okay, now it's done. If you enjoyed this game of Delta Green, make sure to check out our other Delta Green one-shots. We have several listed now and more to come soon.